Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Yeah, we have. Uh, we've made a decision, but I'm not going to announce it publicly. And, and again, this is for certainly I think everybody here wants to know who the quarterback is. I get that. But I think it's a tactical advantage for us not to announce it. So I'm going to hold that um, announcement because I think it gives us a tactical advantage for not playing. Look, Florida State played a game. That's an advantage for them, having the opportunity to play. The advantage for us is that we haven't played. And so it doesn't help us to give up any of our cards in that sense. So we're going to hold on to that card um, until game day. Brian Kelly knows who the quarterback is. Is known for better part of two or three days. He's just not letting you and I know. I'm not going to lie. It doesn't bother me. It bothers a lot of people. Bothers a lot of people that coaches aren't releasing depth charts. It bothers a lot of people that the quarterback hasn't been named. Doesn't bother me. If the man believes that it gives him an advantage in the opener, Against Florida State, inside the Superdome, 6.30 kick, Sunday night. Then good for him. Because here's the thing. Brian Kelly is being paid, wait for it, to win football games. And if he believes, not telling us if it's Jaden Daniels or Garrett Nussmeyer as the starting quarterback, if he believes that's going to help him win the opener against Florida State, and if you're a diehard LSU fan, not for sure if you can be too mad about that. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parch the third, better known as RP3. Joining me on this slightly muggy Tuesday morning is the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names. We have a tremendous show lined up for you today. Four great guest. We're going to cover a slew of topics. Brett Chancy from the Locked On Astros podcast will join us at straight up seven o'clock. Stros had the day off yesterday. Some news came out. A couple of guys getting called up from AAA to the show. That'll happen later this week once the calendar turns to September. We'll talk about that as well as their series this week. That'll be at 7 o'clock. At 7.30, the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker, will join us as we dive into previewing their season opener at home at Cajun Field on Saturday against the Southeastern Louisiana Lions. That'll be at 7.30. At 8 o'clock, we're going to keep the preview train rolling right along, chugging down the tracks, as Jim Gazzolo, the great one, will be joining us from the Lake Charles American Press McNeese opens up the season on Saturday by making a trip up to Bozeman, Montana to take on the number two ranked team in the FCS, Montana State. 
That's a huge challenge for Gary Goff in his first season at the helm. And starting quarterback has been named. We'll dive into that as well with Jim Gazzolo at 8 o'clock. And then at 8.30, high school football kicks off officially this week in a matter of a few days across Acadiana. Some games will be played on Thursday, others on Friday. Dane Chaponche, the head coach of the Turlings Catholic Rebels, will be joining us. They got themselves a heck of a quarterback over there at Turlings. We'll preview their season. That'll all be coming up at 8.30. So, four tremendous guests, as we said, but we love to hear from you. Phone calls are always welcome. Game hotline is 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. But we're going to start off this hour talking more about the LSU football team. Tigers gearing up. Once again, the big news yesterday was the fact that Brian Kelly was like, I know y'all want to know who the starting quarterback is for the Bayou Bengals, but that's not going to happen. But he had plenty more to say than just that. And once again, if he believes that that gives him some sort of advantage against Florida State, who did play a game already. Now, it was basically a glorified scrimmage because they played Duquesne. But Florida State's already shooken off the rust, right? Shaking off the rust, rather. They've already figured out what works, what doesn't work for them. That does give them a bit of an advantage. It just does. That being said, I'm not for sure how much of an advantage playing Duquesne gives Florida State. I don't think it gives them a ton of an advantage. But that said, they do have reps. And if Kelly believes that not naming the starting quarterback until, you know, the day of the game, then you got to support it. Man's trying to win ball games. He was asked about Florida State because he's familiar with the Seminoles. Had Notre Dame having played them a few times during his tenure as the head coach of the Fighting Irish. And he was asked, hey, does that experience, in particular playing them last year, does that give you any type of advantage for this year's opener? I mean, there's a new offensive and defensive coordinator for me. You know, it's a whole new team. I, I don't know that it really helps as much as I can give and lend a little bit more, you know, to our coordinators. I meet with our coordinators, you know, you know, daily so I can give them a little bit of insight in terms of, you know, what what they're about and, and, and how they play the game and what they're looking to do on offense and defense. But that's about it. Other than that, this is a whole new uh, operation for us relative to coordinators and, and the, uh, the football team in itself. So, because of the turnover, Florida State's had some turnover as well on the coaching staff. Players are different, too. I've long said this. Every season, the team is different. Even if you have returning stars, look at the 2018 LSU team and look at the 2019 LSU team. 
One won double-digit games in the Fiesta Bowl, and the other one had, you could argue, the greatest season in college football history. They had a lot of the same players, didn't they? Had a lot of the same coaches. A lot of the same coaches, a lot of the same players. But there was minor tweaks to the roster. There was minor tweaks to the coaching staff. And the experience from the year before helped lay the foundation for the next year. So every year is different. Every year has its own story to tell, if you will. So the fact of, yeah, he's familiar with Florida State. He's familiar with Mike Norville coached Florida State because he's coached against him and his team has played against him doesn't mean it's going to be the same thing when these two teams meet on Sunday inside the Superdome. Lots of question marks for LSU. What can we expect? We know what the offensive line is going to look like. We know it's going to be one of the two guys at quarterback. We know they're loaded at wide receiver. Defensive line is going to be a strength. I think linebacker is going to be a strength. But we haven't seen this team play a game. So we're kind of in the dark here on what to expect from when LSU runs onto the field there inside the Caesar Superdome on Sunday night and takes on the Seminoles. Now, Brian Kelly kind of gave us a bit of a glimpse on what he feels is going to be the big key for LSU to best FSU. The key will be, you know, obviously, you know, playing great defense at all three levels, right? You know, we just talked about their ability to run the football. If you can run the football that effectively, uh, Jordan Travis can have a field day out there. So we've got to be able to stop the run, first of all, and and be effectively, you know, uh, stopping the run. I think that that is going to limit Jordan Travis. And if we can force him to be predictable throwing the football, that's going to help us a lot. So there you go. They want to minimize what the FSU quarterback can do. I watched a little bit. I can't believe I'm saying this. I watched some of the highlights, and I watched a little bit of the Florida State game. Because I can't help myself. Plus, I wanted to see a little bit of what I'm going to see Sunday night inside the Superdome. LSU's defensive line should have an advantage. That should be an advantage. I know Florida State had three different 100-yard rushers. And that is great, but that was against Duquesne. I doubt if Florida State's going to be able to run the ball with so much ease against LSU's front seven. I just just don't see it. Now, Brian Kelly will not tell us who the quarterback is going to be. Going to... Keep that secret until Sunday night. But he did say this because he was asked, because both guys have some similar skill sets. They're not the same player, right? Jaden Daniels has all that experience of starting at Arizona State and all the completions and all the touchdowns. Nussmeyer only played in a few games. But they do have some similarities. They do have similar skill sets as athletes, as quarterbacks. And Kelly elaborated about how, you know, how they call the game, no matter who it is, no matter who it is in there, it's not really going to change all that much, whether it's Nussmeyer or Daniels. Yeah, there, there's some 
great similarities between the two of them in terms of what they're able to do. They both run extremely well. They both can make plays outside the pocket, and certainly we don't have to change the play calling. There's not a dramatic difference between the two when it comes to play calling. So you can imagine that you know when we're talking about both quarterbacks, this is a this is a one A and one B. This is not a one and a two, and and both of them, you know, obviously you're going to contribute this year. Both of them are going to contribute. So there you go. And I think they're going to build their offense in a way that that's going to work as well. I've said it for months now that there's not going to be that much of a difference in the eyes of the coaches between Daniels and Nussmeyer. I think Garrett's progression through the spring surprised Kelly and his staff, maybe caught them off guard even, where they're like, hey, whoa, this guy's picking up what we're wanting to do. He's picking it up quickly. And we've heard people that are there every day covering this team said the same thing, that Nuss looks like he's got it. So I think that's why it's taken so long. And I think it got to the point where Brian Kelly's like, you know what, I'm just going to keep it to myself and we're probably going to play both guys. Because I don't think the difference between the veteran transfer from Arizona State and the guy that only played in uh, three games last year, I don't think it's that much. Which, on one hand, you're like, oh, man, really? But the flip side of that is like, oh, wow, Garrett's really improved. And if something happens to Jane Daniels, because let's say it's going to be Jane Daniels as the starter, something happens to him, guess what? You're taken care of because a guy that's that close to being the starting quarterback can be inserted right into the lineup. And you already heard Kelly sit there and talk about it. That he is good to go. And that they'll be good to go no matter what happens there. LSU, Florida State. Sunday night inside the Caesars Superdome. And here's the thing. If you didn't grab yourself tickets, if you were unable to score tickets for the Louisiana kickoff, not to worry, you can do two things. You can listen to the game live right here on the game because we are your home for LSU Tigers. Boom. Turn down your television, turn up your radio, listen to us. That's what everyone's doing. You want to be cool like everybody else. But the other part of that is if you don't want to listen on your radio, you can go catch it with a bunch of fellow Tiger fans. Because we are having a game Twin Peaks watch party for the LSU opener right there on Johnston Street Sunday night. Our guy, Crunch Time host, Matthew Miguez, will be in attendance. He's going to have swag to give away, some koozies, some t-shirts. Swing by Twin Peaks. You know they have the teeth-chattering cold adult beverages ready for you they have great food you're going to be able to watch the game on the big screen televisions there inside twin peaks you can hang out with matt miguez six to eight sunday night it's the games lsu watch party there at twin peaks on johnston street twin peaks 
eats, drinks, scenic views. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You know the routine. Eat, drink, sleep, and sports. All day, every day. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Football season is here, and guess what? The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to crown you the tailgating king with the ultimate tailgate giveaway. Powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. You can score yourself, hear me out, $500 to chop specialty meats, a new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, Tickets to LSU and Louisiana Raging Cajun football games and so much more. Go enter in the Games Reward Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to register so you can win the ultimate tailgate giveaway. We want to crown you the tailgating king, but we can't do it. We can't do it unless you go sign up for our rewards club. That's how we can help you. Help us help you. Sign up today. It's simple. It's free. It's easy. It's the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. Let off today's show talking LSU. Brian Kelly held his first weekly Monday presser yesterday. Of course, we carry that live for you here on the game, as we'll do every Monday around brunch earlier than normal. The weekly press conference. He touched on that he's not going to be unveiling who his starting quarterback is going to be. He feels like gives him a advantage against the Seminoles of Florida State. He also touched on a few other things, how the offense shouldn't miss a beat regardless of who's in there, and if there's any distinct advantage having played Florida State even last year while he was the head coach of Notre Dame. But that also leads us to our poll question of the day. We've talked about how this year's LSU team, and it started a couple years ago and it's only gotten more so, that the LSU football team's got a lot of 3-3-7 flavor. Walker Howard's going to get red-shirted. He'll be the future quarterback there for the Bayou Bengals. But you got Kayshawn Boutte or Booty. I'm not really for sure how you say his name now. I said it as Boutte for all those years, even when I was in New Iberia working in the newspaper business, but now I hear people say booty, so I'm not really for sure what we're supposed to do. Change is hard and difficult when you get old. But Kayshawn represented Westgate. Last year, it was Malik Neighbors from Como High, Jack Besh from STM, Sage Ryan from Lafayette Christian Academy. Now they've added more Fitzgerald West, they're going to take the big fella, the D lineman. They're going to make him to an offensive lineman. Don't see him on the two deep. So more than likely, he'll be groomed and developed throughout this season behind the scenes so he can be a stalwart across that offensive line for years to come. But who's going to have the bigger impact season for the Tigers of the former 3-3-7 stars? Is it Jack Besh? 
Splin, uh, the uh, the injury that he had that slowed him down during camp apparently is not an issue anymore. And he's not going to be in that hybrid role anymore, right? They're not going to line him up at tight end and wide receiver. He's going to be straight up wide receiver. Feels like in Brian Kelly's offense, he's going to get a lot of targets to me. Feels like that's kind of lined up for that. Because you know Kayshawn's going to be the number one. He's your record-setting wide receiver, future first-round draft pick if healthy. So you know Jack Besh is going to get a lot of targets sent his way. Malik Neighbors could have a breakout season. He showed some great flashes a year ago during the Tigers' law season. He's got big play potential, right? Jack feels like more of that over-the-middle slot reliable guy, that Jarvis Landry type. Malik Neighbors is the guy that can take the top off the defense, right? What Devery used to be able to do. Malik has that type of ability. But then on the defensive side of the ball, you have Sage Ryan, who after last year being injured, remember Sage, the state's former Mr. Football, which is bestowed to the best football player in the state. Now, he got banged up and can never get things going last year as a freshman. He's healthy now. He's going to be the mix in the secondary. And there's so many different pieces, especially in the secondary. I would fully expect Sage Ryan to make a big impact this year as well. So that's our poll question of the day. Which former 337 star is going to make the biggest impact for LSU this season? Right now, 57% of you say former STM Cougar Jack Besh. 43% of you say wide receiver Malik Neighbors. No votes yet for Sage Ryan. Darren has chimed in. Quick question, whatever happened to the tight end from Georgia who went to LSU and then went to Florida? He ended up back at Georgia. He's talking about Eric Eric Gilbert. And he's not from the 337, Darren. Come on, D. Come on, D. What are we doing? Man wants me to take time out of the show to tell him, give him the update about Eric Gilbert. <laughs> but Eric Gilbert did step away from Georgia, by the way. We'll do some research to see if he's actually on the roster. JPK, the OD, says Jack Besh, based on the style of QB play, I, I expect. He's a great slot over the middle possession type receiver. If we had a quarterback like Joey B, though, Dropping 50-yard dimes down the field, it would be Malik Neighbors. Yeah, Malik has that that top-end speed. Ton on Twitter says, it's got to be Besh. I think he's the most well-rounded and can do more things. I'm hoping all three have a tremendous season, though. There you go. John Paul Cajun Daddy says, I only get to see one of these kids in person and Mr. Neighbors in his junior season at Como versus Southside. He was a complete freak, scored touchdowns three different ways, returning punts, kicks, and receiving. John Paul, I, I would agree to that. I saw both in high school, but I broadcast games that I got to see Malik Neighbors because I was doing Lafayette High football, and we got to see Malik Neighbors just destroy Lafayette High. Back-to-back seasons. Kid was a special athlete. There's a reason why Mike Leach wanted him to be one of his centerpiece wide receivers in his air raid offense because Malik is a game changer. Brad on Twitter says, I'll say Besh since he's already established himself as one of the LSU's top wide receivers, but I really hope those other guys ball out big time this year too. And Darren says Malik will be the next wide receiver one, just like Chase Jefferson, Butte, and he plays special teams. 
Yeah, I, I think you're going to see Malik may not have as many receptions as Jack Besh will this year, as they're going to be like the number two, number three wide receivers. But he may have more yards because I think there's going to be more big plays for Malik, if that makes any sense. There's going to be more big plays for Malik. Jack is going to be the reliable guy. And look, Jack's going to get into the end zone. The kid's got a nose for the end zone. He's a hell of an athlete. Jack is. It's not taking anything away from Jack. But Malik's got that top-end speed that he's going to be able to take the top off. So I think Jack's going to have more receptions when it's all said and done at the end of the season. But I wouldn't be surprised if Malik Neighbors has more yardage because he's going to have more big chunk plays throughout the year. And when Kayshawn Butte moves on to the NFL, which he's going to do after this season, Malik very well could put himself in a position to be the new number one wide receiver for LSU, and him and Jack could be the number one, number two, and they'll be set for a couple of seasons. Good comments so far. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on, Chris, to the show. Chris, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Hey, good morning. I just want to talk real quick and get some off my chest about uh, Coach Kelly and the Tigers this year. You know, I'm I'm gonna miss hearing "Go Tigers" on on you know on the field. But my point is, it's obvious that Coach Kelly is a different has a different personality than Coach O. Um, even in the radio shows, the way they answer questions and and it's uh, very streamlined. But I just want to tell all LSU fans out there, man. Give give Coach Kelly and his regime a chance. I'm not sure how how this thing's going to go out record wise this year. Whether we win eight games, seven games, ten games, but let the process play out and and give this give him a chance. And um, I hope everybody does that. What do you expect record wise? If I have a question this year from LSU football, and have a great day. Go Tigers. Chris, appreciate your phone call, brother. Thank you. Enjoy your day. It's hard to tell. I am higher on LSU than some of my fellow media members that voted at SEC Media Days, Chris. I just am. I look at the schedule and I go, I feel like LSU's going to beat a team that people don't expect them to beat. Everyone expects LSU to be down. And look, probably eight wins, if I had to guess, sounds about right, but I think they have the potential to win more. I think they have the potential to be a nine-win team, maybe even a 10-win team. Can they sneak up and beat an Ole Miss team that a lot of people are going to be high on? Yeah. Could they upset Texas A&M at the very end of the season? Yeah, because I think Texas A&M is completely overrated yet again. We spend so much time talking about the Aggies, and yet every year they lose four games. I think LSU is going to be that team that's going to win some games that are going to disrupt some things. Are they going to win the division? No. Are they going to go to a New Year's Six Bowl game? No. But I agree with you, Chris. The LSU faithful give Brian a chance to establish a culture. You can tell he's a pro. You can tell he's trying to run things like an organization, like a business. He has that business feel to him which this program needs because it was ran without structure. And it, the wheels had come off. The train had come, come off the track. He's trying to put it back on. That doesn't happen overnight. Didn't happen overnight. 
at Alabama for Nick Saban when he took over. It didn't happen overnight when Pete Carroll took over USC back in the day. It does not happen overnight. It takes time. Got to be patient. This is a transitional year. This will be a foundation year. And to answer Darren's question, Eric Gerald is currently on the roster for Georgia. He did leave the team, I do believe, in the spring and then came back. So he's dealing with some mental health stuff. But, yes, Eric Gilbert is still on the roster for the Georgia Bulldogs. we got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company, though, coming up right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together. Or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Ah, uh, the wait is almost over. New football season is about to begin. And you can get ready for NFL Week 1 action with DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the National Football League. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. You want more action for opening night? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. Get up by 7, you win. Let me explain. Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use promo code 1037GAME to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code 1037GAME only at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You got to be 21 years of age to play and physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. Bonus is issued as a free bet. One early win token issued at opt-in. Money line bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions do apply. Eligibility and terms are available at DraftKings.com slash football terms. Licensee partner is Golden Nugget Lake Charles. And if you have a gambling problem, Call 1-877-770-STOP. Talking mainly LSU football so far this morning here on RP3 and Company. Let's shift gears and talk a little Louisiana Raging Cajuns. They're going to open up the season on Saturday. They're at Cajun Field against Southeastern Louisiana, minus Cole Kelly. And Coach Dez will be at his first game as the head man in charge for a regular season open. Remember, he did coach the Cajuns to a victory over Marshall in the New Orleans Bowl. Billy had already departed, went on his way to Gainesville. Coach Dez is like, I got this. And not as many question marks I don't feel for the Raging Cajuns because they have more players coming back, and we know what to expect. These are players that have been part of double-digit win seasons. Got guys like Zion Hill and Trey Amos, Braylon Trahan on the defensive side of the football. You got Chris Smith, Peter LeBlanc, Michael Jefferson 
on the offenses, offenses side of the football. But, hey, how's the offensive line going to pan out? Max Mitchell's playing in the NFL. What are you going to do with running back depth? We know Chandler Fields is going to be QB1 for the Raging Cajuns. But there are some questions. How's the offense going to look? Is it going to look wildly different? Or just some tweaks to what we saw under Billy Napier? Because Dez, they do have some different offensive philosophies. And how's this team going to look in the opener? How sharp are they going to look in the opener? And taking on a team like Southeastern Louisiana. Well, Coach Dez talked to the media yesterday during his weekly media session as well. And look, week one is here. It's an exciting time. You look at their team across the board, they've got good players all over the place. And shoot, you go back to 2017, we played them here. I mean, they've played FBS teams every year really, really close. And they're going to come out here and they're not, the stage won't be too big for them. They're going to come out ready to play. And that's really what you want, right? The competitive games help to get you ready for conference play. At the end of the day, the goal every year is to win your division in conference. And you have to prepare for that. And so I think playing a team like Southeastern that you know this game's going to mean a lot to their staff, to their players, and you know they're going to come out here and play really good football. So for us, it's it's a great thing. Um, getting to play at home, home opener to an in-state team is always huge. You know, it's great for our crowd, great for our fan base, great for our players. Gets to start off the season at home, which is always good. We'll see how enthusiastic Cajun fans are. We're going to find out. We're going to find out. As producer extraordinary Hannah Five Names is trying to collect herself because she's bracing for seeing a lot of empty seats inside Cajun Field on Saturday night. Shouldn't be that way. The team with the longest winning streak in the nation, by the way, plays in Lafayette. But we'll see if they get more than 15,000 to show up Saturday night for the season opener. But that's a rant I've had numerous times, and I'll save for another day because it's like talking to a wall. What about Southeastern in particular? What about Coach Selfo's team, high-powered offense? We know that's what he's known for, but they also have some studs on the defensive side of the football. What challenge do the Lions present the Raging Cajuns? Schedules are made so far in advance. A lot of times you can't really control it. I think it's nothing but a good thing. You know, you play a team like Southeastern, and they're used to winning, you know, and, and you watch them, offense, defense, special team. They've got really good sound schemes, and they've got good players that have played a lot of ball that have produced a lot for them. So, you know, you're going to get a team that's going to come in here and expect to win. You know, a ton of respect for, you know, Coach Selfo. Been knowing him a long time, you know, his career, but certainly what he's done at Southeastern since he's gotten there, it has been nothing short of really impressive. He's been really good there. And... He's done a very good job, and he's known as an offensive-minded coach. He develops quarterbacks. But Southeastern can play, man. And, and UL is going to have to be ready. And you hear it, Coach Dez knows this. This is not going to be a team that they can just sleep on and go, well, this is a team from the FCS. This is going to be an easy win. Nope. It's not going to be. Because this is a huge game for Southeastern. Now, anytime you play an opponent where the game means a little bit more to them, than to you think of it in terms of this raging cajun fan what playing a team like iowa state 
or playing a team like Auburn or somebody like that, what that means for the Raging Cajuns, having the opportunity to pull off an upset over a bigger team with more resources, bigger roster, more funding, more television time, how the Raging Cajuns feel about those games, A&M, Auburn, Iowa State, Texas, that's how Southeastern views UL. So you got to have the right mindset because Southeastern is going to come in and try to play their best and they're going to try everything they can in their playbook to pull off the upset. Make no bones about it. Can't sleep on the Lions. I expect the Cajuns to win. I expect the Cajuns to win by double digits. But Southeastern's going to come to play. I can guarantee you that. Something Billy did over and over again was rotating players, right? On offense and defense, particularly across the line of scrimmage. You can bring new guys in, keep guys fresh, also get some of those backups more playing time. They also did it with the defensive secondary and uh, definitely did it with wide receiver, especially the last two years where multiple guys came in and out. And Coach Des says, look, that's going to continue. They're going to keep rotating guys. For the most part, most of that's decided. You know, we we do have good depth, though, and, and we will play a lot of players, which I think is, is important. A 12-game season is a long season, and you don't know how it's going to shake out in the end. You know, I don't have a crystal ball. Can't tell you who's going to be healthy at the end, who's going to be playing good at the end, who won't. So I think the more guys you can play, particularly early, I think the better it is. You know, I think it's really important that some of these guys that you know are going to be good players get experience early in the year. Um, even if it means they're maybe not quite as good as the starter, there's still value in them getting out there and getting meaningful snaps because you never know when you're going to need them. You never know which, when you're going to need them. And if you can still win your game and still execute your game plan and let the backups get some much-needed game reps, it's going to benefit you in the long run. And that's why the Cajuns have been so good because so many of those guys got experience early on. Even if it's limited, even if it's only like 10 to 12 snaps a game in garbage time, playing under the lights, playing in front of a crowd, playing against a legitimate competition helps a player's development more than it practice. It does every single time. Once again, Louisiana Raging Cajuns open up the season Saturday night against the Southeastern Louisiana Lions. Of course, we got you covered for that. Not to worry. Matthew Miguez will be there as well as Hannah Five Names. That's right. We're double staffing the game. We're going to be doing tons of stuff on the website and on social media. Make sure to check all that out Saturday night as the Raging Cajuns open up the 2022 season and begin the Coach Des era. We got to take a timeout. We'll update the poll question of the day and wrap up our number one. That's all coming up next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou. Mouth-watering steak cooked to perfection just the way you like it. If you're going, you want to order a steak for your boy RP3, I like it medium rare, just to let you know. Hey, $150 gift certificate. You can score that to Mr. Lester's, but you know what? You can also get yourself a $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar and Grill, one of the best nightlife establishments in the area. Or you can get yourself a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. 
a little bit more cash. But you can't win any of those unless you become a member of our clubhouse. So go sign up today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. It's easy. So go sign up today so we can help you with your date night blues. Poll question of the day is of the 337 stars that are going to be on the roster for the LSU Tigers. Of these three, who's going to make the biggest impact this coming season for Brian Kelly and company? That's our poll question of the day. Is it former STM Cougar Jack Besh? Is it former Como High star Malik Neighbors? Or is it former Lafayette Christian Academy star and Mr. Football for the state, Sage Ryan? 53% of you right now say Jack Besh. 44% say Malik Neighbors. And 3% say Sage Ryan. Keep those votes coming. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Brad says Gilbert is back and is expected to be an impact player for the dogs. I, he's physically, he looks the part, Brad, and I agree with you, and they expect him to be an impact. For He's, he's not even tight in one on Georgia's roster. They got a guy that could be a first-round draft pick coming back at tight end. So Gilbert's still going to be the backup. Is that going to be better for him? I don't know. He struggles with the mental health. It's legitimately a thing for him. He should be being able to come in and be an impact player, but will he? I don't know. But let's focus on the 337. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two. We'll kick it off with Brett Chancey of Locked On Astros. That's next here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. The Houston Astros had the night off, a much-needed night off. The struggles of August, they will be happy to leave those behind once the calendar switches to September. They still have the best record in the American League, but the month of August has not been kind to them. 15 and 11. Now there's dealing with Jordan Alvarez in a slump, still dealing with his wrist issues, and he's been progressively getting worse the last two months. Justin Verlander now has some sort of calf discomfort how much time is he going to miss and oh yeah now they have to make the stretch run to break it all down for us is the man who's the co-host of the locked on astros podcast he's also a contributor writes a weekly column for us here at 1037 the game and 1041 the game it's our friend brett chancy brett good morning to you bud how are you i'm doing great how are you doing on, on a tuesday morning uh, it's a tremendous Tuesday morning because you and I are, are rapping here, bud, about the Houston That's Astros. Right. So there we go. All you right. know, you know, you know, the Astros have commanded the American League, and I mean, they're about to call up their top prospect, number seventy-one overall, MLB Pipeline, as was mentioned in the 
two-minute drill and Hunter Brown. I think a lot of people are excited about that. Um, Yonder Diaz was kind of a surprise move. And then, you know, Jake Myers finally got sent down and being replaced by J.J. Medicevic. So that takes his spot. And definitely an exciting night for the Houston Astros on an off day. Exciting with the Hunter Brown, the, you know, top pitching prospect being called up when rosters expand on September 1st. You already mentioned Diaz. He's going to be called up as well. So some fresh blood, some fresh legs uh, being called up, and that's good. Let me ask you this, though. We didn't hear anything about Verlander yesterday after being forced to leave Sunday's game with calf discomfort. Thankfully, it's not in the elbow because obviously he had Tommy John. Uh, when you saw him during the game have to leave the game by trying to, you know, during a fielding play, did your heart skip a beat by any chance? You know, when he left, I mean, until I knew it was his calf, yeah, I mean, I think everybody kind of held their breath because, you know, Hunter, I mean, um, Justin Verlander is the guy that we said, okay, now we have him. Now we're going to make a playoff run, and we have become a World Series contender or even favorite in in most people's eyes because simply because of Verlander being there. Now, I don't expect we'll hear anything before Dusty does his pregame press conference today. Um, Eric made that point last night on the show. He said, you know, the Astros keep everything close to the best. They were probably waiting for Dusty or even James Click to say something before the game tonight. And, you know, whatever the prognosis is, on on his calf and if he misses starts i think will determine what hunter brown's role will be when he gets here on thursday verlander has pitched so well and you're going to need him especially this year's team is going to need him to make a postseason run last year you didn't need him but you still had other guys to fill that void you need him if you're the Astros, did you just play it safe here and just say, you know what, we're we're about to go into September. We want to limit your innings anyway here. We don't want to put too much wear and tear on you. We're going to be conservative with ha- how we're going to utilize you down the stretch. I think that is definitely on the table. Um, and that really is a conversation that I think where the player has a little bit more pool because of how many years he has in the major leagues. But Listening to Verlander all season long, talking about how he listened to his body, how he prepares, how he missed not being a part of the team the last couple of years, I think he knows that the time is now to get things 100% before he goes to the playoffs. So where I think maybe three or four years ago, Verlander might resist some extra rest if the Astros suggested. I think if the Astros say, look, like you said, let's throw caution, let's, let's not throw caution to the wind and let's take it easy. I mean, he's got his 130 innings, so he's got the he's got the player option next year if he wants to take it. So there's there's nothing really hanging in the balance for 2023. And I think the Astros absolutely value him as an asset, see him as a top asset, and they're going to do everything they can to make sure that not only is he ready to return to the mound, but is he ready to re- return to the mound healthy if that means being out or being off and, and getting some treatment or whatever on his calf and getting that healthy, that to me holds a lot of value. And you've got plenty of pitchers. You know, Javier's probably going to go back into a starting role, so it's not like you're missing a spot in the rotation technically 
if Verlander has to miss a you know a start or two. We're talking with Brett Chancy of the Locked On Astros podcast. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. What happened over the weekend against Baltimore? You know, Baltimore came to play. Baltimore is fighting for their playoff lives, and they haven't had two pitchers go back-to-back games um, pitching seven and two-thirds innings since 2017. So, I mean, a, a blind score gets about every once in a while, right? So, with the Baltimore Orioles hard charging towards a playoff spot, a wild card spot, and knowing that it's the Houston Astros, they came out and gave them their best. But you've got to look at the other side of the coin, too. The Astros never gave up more than three runs in any of those games. So the pitching held the line. The opposing pitchers just had a very good game plan against the Houston hitters. They just couldn't seem to put the bat on the ball. And sometimes when you have a good game plan, you can beat the better team. And I think that's what they did because those two pitchers that went back-to-back in those first few games and got the wins, they hadn't really done that all year. So they brought their best stuff against the best opponent, and I think that's what happened. For the month of August, just a few games above 500. What do you attribute that to? I I think it's the dog days of summer. I, I think this club is tired. We, we've had a ton of games back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Not, not to make excuses, but, you know, we have dealt with injuries here or there. And so – they just they're just kind of a victim of what they've been going through where you know someone goes down a bat goes cold um 19 games in 18 days 43 games in 42 days kind of thing you know just just all these all these things wrapped into one and august they tend to slow down a little bit but hey a bright spot Alex Bregman oh my gosh i think he's back folks this guy is phenomenal i'm actually writing my next article just focusing on Alex Bregman because I think he's going to be a key a key cog to their playoff run. What do you make? Obviously, Bregman's been playing well, but let's go on the other side. Just as soon as you get Breggs to play back to his 2019 form, Jorn Alvarez continues to get worse month by month. And now they're saying that he's got another uh, injury, but it's not the same risk. What can you tell us about the Cuban sensation? Well, that and that is that is concerning. You know, you, you like to try to be like, I'm always positive, always strokes, but Jordan Alvarez having the struggles he's having right now, this is what I'm wondering because I've not seen anything on this, but you wonder if there's a scenario where Jordan Alvarez they know that maybe eventually maybe some kind of surgery is inevitable down the road, and maybe they've been given an option to, hey, play through it or shut it down and have surgery or play through it and have surgery after the season. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm totally speculating here medically, but I think some of it's mental, but I can't think – I can't seem to think that there's not something physically keeping him from connecting because – The guy's a professional hitter. He can hit all parts of the field, singles, doubles, triples, and home runs. He does it all. He doesn't strike out a lot, and he really has regressed. So this slump, if it is aided by injury or lack of strength in the hands, maybe they're not going to address it until after the season because I think his absence completely would be even more devastating than a struggling Jordan Alvarez. Brett, 
let's look ahead now because they get a soft part of the schedule allegedly. And I always say allegedly because this is baseball. And you can have a team that is a 40-win team in the month of September beat a team that's got 80 wins, and they can take two of three in a heartbeat because it's baseball. But the schedule does kind of lends itself for the Astros to kind of get right again and, and start playing back to that level that we saw in June and July when they just dominated Major League Baseball. What should the realistic expectations be for the month of September? I, I think the Astros overall take care of business. But, I mean, you look what, they, you look what happened to the Yankees yesterday. You know, Aaron Judge hit this 50th home run, and they still lose. They get beat by who? The Angels. The Oakland A's um, took care of the Yankees recently. And so you've got these, quote-unquote, bottom teams that you say pose a threat because it is baseball. I think this little mini-series with the, with the Rangers, I think they start out 2-0 and on the road. And then they go to L.A. That's when Hunter Brown and Diaz arrive um, when they when they play Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, who are swinging a hot bat. But for the most part, when you look at their schedule, until they get to Tampa, until they get to um, other parts of the schedule, the first few weeks of this month, they should be fairly successful because, again, the starting pitchers are still doing their job. The relief pitching, I think, I mean, even though they lost two of three to Baltimore, they didn't lose it. I mean, you know, they could have easily given up four, five, six runs, and they didn't. And so um, if this relief pitching group turns it around and gets more consistent, then I think the Astros will be better than like a 15-11 and 11 clip at the end of September. But they have to fight through these things, these slumps, different players being out. Like, when is Alinus Diaz coming back? Um, what role now is Christian Vasquez and Diaz going to play? Does, does Christian Vasquez DH more? I think the key is getting Vasquez's bat in the lineup. I think another key is getting Mancini in the lineup more consistently. And I think with Jordan Alvarez being the way he is, they're going to rest him as much as they can. And maybe we get better bats in a more consistent basis. And if they do that, I think they can win a lot more than they lose. But I think the lineup needs to be constructed to be a little bit more powerful and and run producing and not really toy with the lineup as much. What do you expect the roles to be and how much playing time do you expect to see from Diaz and from Brown when they get called up on September 1st? So Brown, I think, and I think Brown's depends on what comes out about Justin Berlander. If if he's not starting, I think he gets a couple starts. They're going to have him through the end of the playoffs. I mean, I'm sorry, they're going to have him through the end of the regular season at least. He does have the ability to come in relief, and they may be doing that to see where he would be as a test run for the playoffs. I mean, he's got a devastating curveball. This guy has a 186 batting average against 134 strikeouts. That's that's one more strikeout than the most strikeouts he's ever had in a single season in the minor leagues, which was 2021. And so I think his role is either going to be a long inning reliever or a spot starter. And then Diaz, if you put Diaz in this lineup, he can play first base, he can play catcher, and he can hit. And so – you, you could give Yuli some rest at first base. They've even shown Yuli taking third base again. 
So Diaz, I think, gets in there, but I think it's probably going to be at the Christian Vasquez clip where we haven't seen Vasquez a lot, right? So I think I think Vasquez moves more to get more playing responsibilities, um, splits a little bit more with Maldi, but with Diaz in there, you can put um, – if you put Diaz in at catcher, you could put – Vasquez as a DH, and then you still have Maldonado coming off the bench. So it's really kind of a nice luxury to have. And I'm pretty sure they're going to give this kid some at-bats. I hope they give him more than they've been giving David Hensley because when you call him up, you don't want to call him up and sit him. You want to call him up and play him. Brett, appreciate your time as always. Brother, Astros will get back in action tonight as they take on the Texas Rangers up in Arlington. First pitch is set for 7.05. Framber Valdez will be on the bump the Astros all-star see if they can get the win and start off this week on the right foot bud appreciate your time as always we'll talk to you next Tuesday brother yeah thank you so much everybody in Louisiana y'all have a great day and as always go Astros the Houston Astros do have their sights set on another run to the World Series and you want to see them in person don't you but here's the thing Time is running out. Our last Astros weekend getaway for the regular season is upon us. So you only got one more chance to score yourself four free tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. It's our last Astros weekend getaway of the regular season. The Strohs are going to take on the Tampa Bay Rays. Playoff positioning will be on the line Saturday, October the 1st. You can be there, but you have to go register in our clubhouse so you can have the chance to score four tickets, get a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. It's our last Astros weekend getaway of the regular season. Time is running out for you to win it. Astro Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Love Meridian Houston Downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. When we return here on RP3 and Company, whew, we've talked about LSU. We've talked about UL. How about some McNeese Cowboys for you? That's going to be next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For sports talk love, that is... Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Here in Louisiana, there are thousands of miles of utility lines and gas pipelines buried just beneath the surface. And sometimes multiple lines are in one area. So look, if you are a contractor that you've hired is digging a hole to put in a new fence, a brand new pool, minor landscaping even, it doesn't matter. You run the risk of hitting an underground line by digging only a few inches. So what happens then? Maybe you only knock the power out for your entire neighborhood, but sometimes there's an explosion with injuries and even death. It happens every single year, and there's a very simple way to avoid it. Before you dig, call 811. Call 811 two days before you dig. Tell the operator your address, and someone's going to come out and mark the location of buried lines so you or your contractor can avoid them. It's simple. 
It's free of charge, and it's the law. Louisiana 811 operates as a public service, and to promote public safety, Louisiana 811 and the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, remind you, call 811 and know what's below before you dig. We've touched on the LSU Tigers this morning. We've touched on the UL Raging Cajuns. Now it's time for us to talk a little McNeese Cowboys as well. Gary Goff talked to the media following yesterday's practice. His press conference, by the way, every week will be on Thursday. A little bit different than what the norm is, but it's going to be a little bit closer to the weekend, so that could be a good thing. But Coach Goff, first year at the helm of the Cowboys, talked to the media afterwards and gave us an update on the quarterback situation. Is it going to be the young man from Georgia Southern? Or is it going to be the young man from Virginia Tech? Which former Division I quarterback is going to be the starting quarterback for the Mid-East Cowboys in 2022? Well, I can say this. They're, they're, they're both going to play. I expect both of them to play. We'll start off. You know, Cam will get the first series. And we'll see. You know, we're, we're going to see who uh, delivers football on time and who protects it. But I'd anticipate something for both of them. So, obviously, that's an intriguing answer. Because you're going to have one guy take a series and the other guy's going to play. Which means you're telling us that you haven't figured out who your quarterback is. That it's that close. I feel the same way about what's going on at McNeese as I do what's going on at LSU. They're, the difference between the two is not that great. And that's caused a tough decision to have to be made by Coach Gary Goff. And he's like, look, the kid from Georgia Southern, he's going to start. He's going to he's going to do the first series, but Knox is going to play as well. I think he wants to see how these kids are going to react to an in-game scenario. It's one thing to go through spring. It's one thing to go through scrimmages in the leading up into fall camp. It's another thing when the lights are on and you're having to take on one of the best teams in the FCS Saturday night in Bozeman, Montana. They're going to find out a lot about what the two quarterbacks have to offer and what they're going to bring to the table. He further elaborated more on his two quarterbacks. Uh, you know, not really, because Knox went through spring ball, you know. So, you know, I, I think with both of them, it's just, you know, rhythm, right? I, I, I just want the offense to have some rhythm to it. I want to, uh, you know, see who's moving the chains, producing first downs. Uh, big plays are going to happen, you know. We, we can't, you know, force the ball somewhere that, you know, they, they've got that taken away from us. But, you know, it, it's, you know, some guys get out there and excel. You know, both of them have been doing that. They, they both are getting be, you know, better every single day. But as of right now, you, like you, I think you put it best, Jim. we got a 1A and 1B right now. Of course, Jim Gazzolo asking the tough questions to Coach Gary Goff. We'll ask Jim more about the quarterback situation. I, I, I feel that Gary says, okay, they're so close in practice. I want to see what they do against elite competition. I want to see what they're going to do against the best of the best at this level. How they're going to make decisions. What's going to happen when that left tackle or that left guard is, is missing out on his block and the quarterback's getting flushed out of the pocket? What kind of a decision he's going to make? Is he still going to go through his progressions? Is he going to try to find the open man? Is he going to throw to a target? Is he going to throw to an open space? Is he going to get loose with the football? Is he going to panic? You're not going to know that 
until the game starts on Saturday. So I do not expect them to have a two-quarterback system all season long. I don't expect that at all. I think it may take a few games, but they're going to figure it out. At Montana State on Saturday, then the next week it's at Rice before they open up at home with Alcorn State on the 17th. They're going to find out in those first couple games who the guy is and who Gary Golf trusts the most. They're going to find that out because of game time experience. Speaking of their first-round opponent, opponent, they're opening up with Montana State. This is a team that was one of the best in the FCS a year ago. What kind of challenges does that present as they travel all the way up to Bozeman, Montana on Saturday? Well, you know, people have been, you know, joking with me for the last six months. Oh, wow, y'all picked a, fir- a great first game. But, you know, in all honesty, it is. It's, it is a great first game. I mean, they got a great program. You know, they, they just played for a national championship. You know, they, they are a very solid football team. They got depth. They don't make mistakes. Uh, you know, they're, they're a top-class program, and that's exactly, you know, who we want to be and where we're going to be again. Uh, so, you know, why not, right off the bat, you know, face one of the best teams in the country and, you know, see where you, the cards fall, see where you stack up against them. It's a good measuring stick. Is McNeese on the same level as Montana State? No. Do I expect Montana State to beat McNeese? Yes. But this is going to help the development of this program and to help it get back to where it needs to be. And that's the most important thing for the Cowboys. we got to take a timeout. We'll talk more about the McNeese Cowboys when Jim Gazzolo joins us at 8 o'clock. That's half an hour from right now. But after this timeout, We're going to talk Raging Cajuns again. The longtime voice of the UL Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker, will join us to help us preview the season opener against Southeastern Louisiana. That's next. You're listening to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Here on RP3 and Company, everyone is apparently part of the game family. Brother, 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 brother. Seriously, how many brothers does Ray have? Good morning to you, brother. Back to Ray and all of his brothers right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns open up the 2022 football season at home this Saturday night against the Southeastern Lions. These two teams, I do believe the last time they met on the gridiron, it ended up being a wildly entertaining 51-48 to affair. Don't know if we'll see that type of fireworks Saturday night inside Cajun Field, but it's going to be entertaining. Get to see how this team looks under Coach Dez's leadership yet again. Remember, he coached the bowl game, and they won that game against Marshall. But a new-look Raging Cajuns, new-look Southeastern Louisiana. Lions won't have Cole Kelly at quarterback should be an intriguing season opener to break it down for us as the man who's the longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns and he'll be on the call Saturday night Jay Walker Jay good morning to you bud how are you brother I am doing fine I'm just curious do you call five names brother as well no okay I'm just checking I'm I'm glad we cleared that up I'm glad game week for the season opener we made sure to clear that up well, you know, you usually start with something that the audience really wants to know about, and then you go from there. <laughs> it just It's all downhill. I, I got you. I got you. Uh, all right, so let's talk about 
game week is here. Obviously, you know, coaches love this. The players love this because they finally get a game to play that matters. What's still for you, Jay, the big question mark that you hope to see answered once things kick off Saturday night at Cajun Field? You know, on his radio show last night, Mike talked about how pleased he is about the depth that they that they have on this team. Um, and we know that there are a couple of positions that going into camp we were very concerned about depth-wise. So I'm, I'm, um, I, I'm curious to see the, the backups that play. Um, I, I want to see how good they are. I mean, it, it's that simple, um, especially at, uh, at the four linebacker spots and on the O-line. Well, let's start with the offense. Do you think it matters at all who backs up Chris Smith? I mean, with the way this offense is orchestrated, it feels like you could just plug and play. Do you think it matters who the running back number two, running back number three is going to be this season? I, I think it does only because I think it would be dangerous to just assume the offense is going to look like it's looked in the past. I mean, that you have a different head coach now, um, and I think a lot of the a lot of the same uh, a lot of a lot of the same tenets. Uh, will be coming into play, but I, I, I don't think this offense is going to look as much as people think about the offense they've played in the past. I think this team's going to throw it more. I think this team's going to be more 50-50 running pass. Uh, I think this team is going to run the quarterback more. So, I um, so yeah, I think whoever the number two and number three guy is is, is important because the offense is going to be different. So, you know, it may turn out that it doesn't matter, but I'm going to go into this thinking it does just because I know the offense will be different. You mentioned passing offense, and I, I felt the same way that I think we're going to see more throws down the field and we're going to see more of a, a really even split 50-50. That said... All the experience these wide receivers received the last couple of years, even though it was inconsistent experience, it was still experience. How much is that an advantage for the Cajuns? Oh, I think it's huge. You know, I, I think the wide receiver core has now become maybe the biggest strength of the offense because you've got a half a dozen guys that have played a lot of football for the Cajuns and have proven that they can go ahead and handle their business. And so I, you know, this is a veteran group, and it, and, and they don't have a lot of seniors. They have a couple. Um, no, I, I think that, you know, your wide receiver, we say, well, you know, they're young. Well, you know, they're young and talented. Let me tell you something. They're good. And, and it, I'll go back to what I just said. I think they might be the strength of the offense. Wide receivers are immensely talented. They have the experience. We know what Chris Smith can do, and I think – uh, the Williams kid out of Manny is going to be in the mix at running back. He's immensely talented as well, I believe, in Chandler Fields. The big question mark, Jay, has to be the offensive line. They have some guys that have some experience, but, you know, it's going to be a new group, and if they don't do their job up front, it doesn't matter how talented the position players are, skill position guys are. It doesn't matter. If the O-line doesn't do their job, it's irrelevant. Do you expect the offensive line to be humming, or do you think it's going to take – about a quarter of the season for them to develop that chemistry and develop that bond to be a dominant unit. I, I think they're going to be a work in progress. Um, I also 
think that may be one of the reasons why you're going to see this team throw it a little more. I think it's a little bit easier to pass block than it is to run block. True. And um, I, I think the two might go hand in hand here. Um, no, I, I think it's going to take them a bit to, to figure it out. Um, at the same time, again, you know, you've got, you got four guys there that have played, that have played some football uh, for the Cajuns. So it's not like they just have a bunch of people who have never played this game. Uh, they have guys, some guys with some limited experience. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I'm not concerned at all about the offensive line. I, I, I'm, I'm curious. But I, but I think that, um, you know, Mike um, and, and Coach Leger, you know, they're going to do whatever they have to do to put their team in the best position to win. And if that means asking the offensive line to, pa- to pass block more, that would be okay. Talking with Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns. He joins us here in RP3 and Company. Let's talk about the defense. I feel like it's going to be one of the strengths of this team. Obviously, health is always a an in issue, right? Uh, you have to stay healthy. But let's talk about this defensive line. Coach Des talked about you know rotating guys in and out. Uh, the D line looks salty and looks very deep to me. Jay, what do you make of the D line? Uh, I agree with you. I, I think there's talent there. I think there's depth there. Now the depth is going to come into play Saturday because Kendall Wilkerson is not going to play. Um, but that gives somebody else uh, an opportunity, uh, probably Dalvin Hutchinson uh, as the starter. I think Jaquan Nelson is ready to go. You know, Zion Hill, I think, is ready to go. So I, I'm, um, I, I, I like that unit. I, I think that unit's got talent and depth, and I think they've got a little meanness to them, which is good. And um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get it underway as far as those guys are concerned. What about the linebackers? first four guys you're going to put out there pretty good um and they've played a lot of football for the cajuns the question is what happens after that because you're going to have a lot of guys who have limited experience and this is the position where when mike says i like the depth that we have developed i want to see if that is the position that he's talking about if so if if they have developed depth there, even though they don't have a lot of experience, but the, but they're ready to play, this defense is going to be pretty salty. And the benefit you have from having a veteran deep D-line and a good linebacking core, but you're right, the depth, the backups are key there, is the secondary because you have a lot of impact players like Brangley Trahan and Trey Amos and others. All three levels of this defense, Jay, there are impact players. I know depth is an issue, but you know you could argue this may be one of the best defenses in the Sun Belt Conference. I think along with uh, along with Troy uh, and along with um, I think Washington State. I, I think that's. I think you're probably right. Those are the three. Um, yeah, South Alabama is going to be good defensively. Also, I the secondary's fine. Um, now they're going to they're, they're going to be without Amos on Saturday, but there is depth there. So again, I feel I feel good about that position. I also like that those guys play with a little nasty. I think I think you, your defensive backs have got to play with a little bit of nasty, especially in the run game. So I, I like the attitude that they that they take onto the field with them, and I think that group's going to be good. 
Wrapping up our conversation with Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, bud, let's talk about the opponent. Southeastern Louisiana comes to town. Coach Selfo does a very good job. He's an offensive-minded coach, but no Cole Kelly. But I don't expect them to fall off the face of a cliff either because of the type of coach he is. What are the challenges that the Lions are going to present specifically offensively when they come into Cajun Field Saturday night? They did a very good job of protecting Kelly um, a year ago. And, you know, Kelly, despite the fact that he was a really big dude, he had a little athleticism to him. He actually led him in rushing uh, as well as leading him in passing. Um, you know, the thing I'm curious about with Southeastern is, are they going to run the football a little bit more? Um, I got to believe they're going to. Um, you know, Cephas Johnson is is – an athletic guy, and he's got great size. He's 6'5 and about 220. And he's very, very quick and is very capable of running the football. But he's not Cole Kelly. And, uh, you know, Johnson, when he was at South Alabama, showed good arm strength. What he didn't show was great accuracy. So I'm, I'm a little curious as to whether they're going to try to run it a little bit more. I think they will. I don't think they're going to come out and just run the football. Don't get me wrong. They're going to throw it a lot. But I, um, yeah, I, I, I'm for some reason I expect that they're going to run it more than they have in the past. Jay, I know you don't give predictions. That's not what you do, okay? But I want to ask you about what would you like to see happen? Not in the game. I know you want to see a W. What would you like to see the crowd be for Saturday night's season opener, home opener? Officially kicks off the Coach Diz era at home. What would you like to see in the stands when you're there broadcasting from the booth? Oh, man. Um, I, I don't know. I, what, I would, what would I like to see? I'd like to see a crowd in excess of 25,000. I'd like to see Acadiana turn out to see Acadiana's favorite son as the head coach of the Cajuns. There it is. Um, I, would, I, would, I would love to see that. I don't know that we're going to see that especially because there's a threat of rain. And, boy, I'll tell you what, with, some, with, with the casual Cajun fan, all it takes is, oh, you know, weatherman says a 70% chance of rain, and then they're done, even though, even though the sun might be out. So, I, I don't know. Um, I'd love to see 25-plus, but I'm not, I'm not betting my life on it or counting on it. Well, bud, I can, uh, I'll bet my life and count on you having a great call there from the booth on Saturday, brother. Appreciate your time as always. We'll talk to you next Tuesday, Jay. I'll look forward to it. Thanks so much, Go Cajuns. It's Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns. He'd like to see 25,000 out at Cajun Field. It's a big number. Big number. Could some of those people be possibly yours truly? Could I take the fam to go for the Cajuns opener? Score some some cheap tickets? Huh? Take myself, my wife Tina, take the little one Hattie? Maybe. We'll be doing something on Saturday. Obviously, I'm covering LSU on Sunday. So Saturday will be family day. Could we do something special? Maybe. Could we go to the Raging Cajuns season opener? I've been known to be at games before. 
while not covering, taking the fam. Little ones had a great time. Or do we do something else? I guess it's going to depend if the little one makes sure she keeps her room clean. Because that was a two-day affair, Sunday and yesterday. Now, she stepped it up, cleaned the room, took care of business. Daddy didn't have to hover. Appreciate that. But is she going to maintain that room the rest of the week? Because she easily gets it messy in a heartbeat. Maybe if she keeps it clean. Maybe. Just saying. Maybe. Maybe we could have some fun this weekend. If not, we'll be spending the weekend cleaning the room. (laughs) let's hope that's not what we have to do let's hope that's not what happens but I have faith in my daughter she's gonna step it up she's gonna keep that room clean maintain plus we got a birthday party coming up the week after just saying a lot going on in the parch household we have to take a timeout. we'll wrap up our number two update that poll question of the day You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The wait is almost over. A new football season is about to begin, and you can get ready for NFL Week 1 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Football League. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on any football game, and you'll get $200 in free bets instantly. You want more action on opening night? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. Here's the deal. Get up by seven, you win. It's that simple. Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you're going to get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use promo code 1037GAME to get $200 in free bets instantly. When you place a $5 bet on any football game, that's code 1037GAME, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Once again, got to be 21 years of age to play, physically present in Louisiana, select parishes only, bonuses issued as a free bet, one early win token issued at opt-in and money line bets only, deposit and wagering restrictions do apply, and you can see about eligibility in terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms licensee partner golden nugget lake charles and if you have a gambling problem call 1-877-770 stop time to check in on the poll question of the day as we wrap up our number two here on rp3 and company we asked you which former 337 area code star is going to make the biggest impact for the lsu tigers this season Fitzgerald West, the former LCA star, he's going to be a backup or or maybe even redshirted along the offensive lineman. We know Walker Howard's more than likely going to be redshirted, but Jack Besh going to line up at wide receiver exclusively. Malik Neighbors, former Como High star, he's going to be in the mix. And former Lafayette Christian and Mr. Football star, Sage Ryan's going to be lining up in the secondary. Who's going to make the biggest impact for the Tigers? for under first season of Brian Kelly's tenure. 51% of you say Jack Besh, 45% say Malik Neighbors, 4% say Sage Ryan. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Keep those comments coming as well. Just make sure they're clean. Got to make them clean for the kids. Leave them on Facebook and Twitter. That's going to do it for hour number two. When we return here on RP3 and company, 
We're going to talk more McNeese Cowboys as Jim Gazzolo, the great one from the Lake Charles American Press, will join us live. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything. Everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Hour number three has arrived here on RP3 and Company. We've had a very good show so far. Had a couple of good phone calls. Good reaction to our poll question of the day. You can keep voting on that, by the way, here in the final hour of today's show. Which former 337 star is going to make the biggest impact for LSU this year? Is it going to be former STM Cougar Jack Besh at wide receiver? Is it going to be former Como High star Malik Neighbors at wide receiver? Or is it going to be former Lafayette Christian Academy star and Mr. Football Sage Ryan at defensive back? Go vote on our poll question of the day and leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. And we've had good guests. We've talked Houston Astros with Brett Chancy. We've talked Raging Cajuns with Jay Walker. We're going to talk high schools with Dane Chaponche coming up in half an hour, the Turling's Catholic head football coach. But right now, it's time to take this show from very good to tremendous by talking McNeese Cowboys with the man who covers the team better than anyone. That's radio, television, websites, it doesn't matter. From the Lake Charles American Press, the great one himself, Jim Gazzolo. Jim, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm fine, but Raymond, you do all that, and it's a lovely intro. I'm the only one that covers the case <laughs> on a daily basis. Well, well, you know, the people don't need to know about that part. I mean, I was just going to omit that, my friend. <laughs> Is how that was going to work. That's how that was going to work. All right, so let's go back to what Coach Gary Goff had to say yesterday. He he says, hey, the kid from Georgia Southern, he's going to take the snaps for the first series, but then it's going to be Walker Wood time. I'm sorry, Knox Kadem after that. So is he just going to wait and see how the these two guys perform under the lights at Montana State and at Rice before figuring out who's going to be QB1 for this team? I asked him that. Did he have a time frame? And he said not really, but sooner rather than later. I think what he wants to see is um, how they do handle the pressure of situations. Two very different quarterbacks. One is uh, very very much athletic, very much run-oriented, run can throw a deep ball. Uh, but he, he always goes back to Knox is very calm in the pocket. And I think it's a situation where Cam won the job, but he's really more, I, I don't want to say more comfortable with, but he was more, uh, um, well, I, I'm trying to look for the word, but he's, he, he's more relaxed when Knox is in. <laughs> so there's a trust factor with both that is a little different. But it's going to play out, and we'll see. And Knox did go through spring football, right, Jim? So Knox went through spring football, so he's been able to build up a rapport and trust with his head coach more so than uh, Ransom. 
Yeah, which is interesting because Ransom didn't throw an interception during uh, uh, the two scrimmages, and Knox did. But I, I think he wants to see how they react when when the bullets are real and when there's competition, and how he react they react to each situation. So he didn't give a timetable, but what do you expect? Do you expect him to make a decision, or is this going to be a back and forth affair? Because the old adage is, if you have two quarterbacks out there playing, yeah. you have none. Uh, I would think that he will have to make a decision uh, probably after the Alcorn game at, at home. Um, I don't think he wants to go in the conference. That gives him one game before conference. But I think it's. I, I think it'll be soon. I, I, I think he wants to give each guy a chance because he brought them here. Uh, he wants to see what they do. But you know, a lot of these things are going to play themselves out with how well the kids play. And how well the kids play, injuries. I've always found out you need two quarterbacks at some time, but you don't want to play them at the same time. And that that's kind of the situation I think he wants. We're talking with Jim Gazzolo, McNeese beat reporter for the Lake Charles American Press. All right, so quarterback is going to be a work in progress, and we, we can expect to see both guys play throughout the first <laughs> yes. two to three games of the season. Let's go – on the rest of the offense, how does the offensive line look and how confident is Coach Gary Goff in his revamped offensive line? Well, this is all funny because in, in total coach speak, talking to him on Friday, this is a disaster. We're going to have a terrible year. We have no chance to win. I'm tired of this team already. I haven't seen a progress. Flip to Monday of game week. I like where we're at. We're progressing. We're going in the right direction. You just flip the script on, I'm tired of camp, to, hey, it's game week. And you don't know which is real. The offensive line is bigger. It's deeper. It hit the weight room. It's bigger, uh, stronger. I think the offensive line can do some things, especially if you look at last year. Last year, it couldn't block to save its life when it came to pass blocking or to save Cody Ogeron's life, actually. But it could lead the conference in rushing or finish second in rushing, one of the two if you go by conference or overall. So it could run the football. I think this team can run the football because I think a young coming-together offensive line is better at being aggressive than back at its heels. And it's got some running backs. So I think it'll do some running game, but it's not going to be a progressive. It's not going to be the offense Goff wants until they really pass block. And I think that's going to be their biggest hurdle. That leads me to my next question, because if the offensive line is going to be a work in progress, because we don't know if they can legitimately pass block, that lends itself to maybe playing the kid from Georgia Southern more because he can use his athletic ability to get out of the pocket if it collapses constantly, if they're struggling with pass protection. I think the key to who he was going to play at quarterback came Friday when he announced his kind of death chart and you saw who was on the right side of the offensive line and who was on the left side of the offensive line by flipping his best two offensive linemen um, especially the kid LeClaire who he loves from Valdez State he brought to the right side and Calvin Barquette who's an all-conference guy who's been here for five years when they went to the right side instead of the left side that told me that he's going to protect a left-handed quarterback 
And I think that was the key, that we're going to see him and he can get him out of trouble. He can get him out of situations. Now, the difference is Knox is very good at getting you out of situations by looking at the defense. And Knox is going to go to his second read more, where Cam, because of what he was taught and how he played in the offense that he's been in, he's more of a first read takeoff guy. So there are, there are two completely different ways of looking at it. But, yeah, I think he can make plays with his legs, and that's why he's one of the reasons why he's getting the start. What do we expect to see out of this air raid or variation of the air raid offense? Because golf has been very transparent that it's not exactly the system that he wants to run yeah. right now. It's the one that he's going to run because it fits the personnel that he has as he tries to build up the roster. Uh, so for those who have been paying attention to McNeese Cowboys football the last few year, uh, years under the last three coaches, how much different is this offense going to look to what we've seen in years past? I think it's going to look a lot like what Gary or uh, what Sterling Gilbert wanted, but couldn't do because he didn't have the quarterback. He's going to want to take the top off at situations. And he's got three receivers to do it. Josh Matthews has apparently learned how to catch a football. He looks good in camp. Um, Kobe Kobe Duru is getting his first track at really playing. He actually started in Montana State, went to San Diego State and now is, is getting a chance to play. He's what I call a porthole victory because he's getting his chance. Um, and, of course, we've got Mason Pierce underneath. And don't be surprised if, if Walker Wood doesn't get a lot of play as kind of as what they call the Y receiver in four receiver packages because he's looked very good as kind of the dump-off guy, what would be a hybrid tight end guy. I think you'll see passing uh, take attempts deep but I think the middle passing is going to be the key. And I think they're going to run the football more. Goff has, has told us all along he will, he's not a Mike Leach kind of guy as far as I'm going to throw 70 times no matter what. He is going to make the – the defense will dictate whether he runs the ball or throws the ball based on uh, their how many guys they have deep, how many guys they have at the line. And he wants his quarterback to get them in the right plays based on the defense. Running backs, how talented are they, or is that still a question mark? Well, I think we all saw Dante McMahon, when he gets the opportunity, has looked really good. He do, he ran for 550 yards last year. He led the team in touchdowns. The question was, how much did he get in the open field? How much did they commit? And really, if you remember last year, Raymond, because you saw the games, how much did they have the ball? Uh, they were three and outs a lot of times. A lot of three and um, outs. I think uh, – uh, I think you'll see them. I think he'll be good. I think he really likes D'Angelo Durham um, from Savannah State. He likes the fact that he has Miguel Roy from um, Colorado State who can power the football and be a different kind of runner between the tackles. And then I, a guy I like that doesn't get a lot of talk about that makes plays happen, Josh Parker, if he hangs on to the football, can be a real impact guy in a lot of situations. The skill level is better than before, much better than before. Uh, how it comes together and, and how, the, how the guy who pulls the trigger makes decisions is the key. Jim, let's go to defense. Isaiah Chambers is trying to make his way into the NFL. The All-American, two-time All-American, pass rusher, gone. Two of their starters yeah. in the secondary are now playing at Marshall and at LSU. 
Lots of question yeah. marks for me on the defensive side of the football. Has fall camp and those scrimmages answered any of those questions for you? Yeah, I, I think they're better as a group in the secondary because they're almost all FBS or transfers. They have experience. They've played. The question is how they come together. Uh, it is really And how quick they come together. They don't have the two talented guys they had last year. Andre Sam was tremendous. Uh, Kobe Richardson has found his stride. People did not throw at Kobe Richardson last year. So, obviously, he was very talented in that field. Going to LSU and having a chance to start there shows he has talent. But I, I, this team is going to win and lose based on the front six and seven. The defensive line is good. It was good last year. It was the best thing they had last year. It was great because of Chambers. Now the question is, could a Mason Kinsley and, and – um, pick up the slack enough to where you don't miss Isaiah Chambers as much. You're going to miss 18 and a half sacks in 18 games. But you're, can, does he make enough of a contribution, enough of a stride to get to seven, eight sacks? Uh, I, like the, I like the linebackers better than even last year. Uh, Stewart, or I'm sorry, Cordell Williams is back. He was the best linebacker, I thought, in the league with 100 tackles. Um Makes seems to be making every play, and it has said we have a scheme this year, so we're excited, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> Braden Adams has made the best strides from camp to fall camp, and made the best strides in the last year. And I, I think um, getting oh, I forgot his name, but Willis Dalton from uh, Houston, University of Houston, to play the opposite linebacker of Williams is really going to be the wait and see. I haven't seen him in games. He's looked good in practice, but it's easy to look good in practice when you know the plays. I want to see how he reacts in games. Uh, but he's obviously that, – that's a big question mark because we haven't seen him. Look, Raymond, there's 58 new guys, 15 in the portal. We don't know what this team's going to be when, where they, when the game starts to play. It could be very good. Um, I don't think it'll be a disaster like last year at 4-7. and seven. But I don't think it's it's ten and one either. Like some people are talking at nine and two. So tampered optimism. How's that? I, I love it. It's been a long time since they've had a kicker, just an actual kicker. <laughs> yes. Is that something Everybody that's changed? Asked about the kicker. Is that changed? Do they have someone they can actually rely on to make extra points in twenty five yard field goals? Uh, I, lo- I love it that you, you go back to the kicker because we sat and watched last year, oh. you and I. Oh. The horror that was the kicking game. Oh, in spring and fall, yes. Yes, it was oh. painful to watch the kicking. Uh, the worst part about the kicking was the fact that the girls they brought on at the end of the first quarter to kick extra points for charity had a better extra point percentage than the actual kickers during the year. That was bad. Uh, yeah, Garrison Smith is a real kicker from Ohio State. Um, he, he has kicked 45-yard field goals in his life. Um, we will not see fourth and 14 at the 22 go for it because we get on the kicker. Uh, uh, C.J. Mayo is actually a very good – has looked very – maybe even better in camp a little bit. Uh, he is a guy from junior college. So not only do they have one kicker, they have two kickers – and 
Eddings has punted extreme. Adams has punted extremely well, uh, better than before. Um, so they look like they're kicking game. And look, it can't be any worse. Could it be worse than last year? No. Have you seen a worse kicking game in your life? No. Um, so that's better. <laughs> so basically, anybody out there from the junior high level up would have been a better kicking option. They just did, and they didn't commit to the kickers either. One guy would be in, one guy would be out, in, out, in, out. Um, so not all of it was the kids. I think a lot of it was we have no confidence in anybody, and that showed. All right, Jim, wrap it up with this. Montana State's one of the best teams in the country. They played for the national championship last year. Uh, I don't want to score a prediction or anything like that. What's just the realistic expectation for the program? Is it just to be competitive? Is it just to you know be able to work on some things? What's the expectation for Saturday's game in Bozeman? To me, they're playing against last year. Are they more disciplined? Are they better? Do they not jump off sides? Do they not have the personal foul penalties? Do they look like they they're in the right direction? Do they look like a football team that's organized? Are we not gonna Are we not gonna have to call timeout twice in the first opener like last year? because we don't have enough men on the field after a timeout and then not have those timeouts at the end of the game to try to get the ball back one more time. Um, I think, you know, are the coaches not looking confused on the sideline? I think we all saw that last year. At least I did. And I think you saw it too, because we talked about it. They didn't look prepared. I want to see them look prepared, look like they're ready to go, play good football, have moments of good football, and then see where they're at. Um, I don't, and the interesting thing is, and you, you'll read about this tomorrow in the American Press if you want. Uh, um, the interesting thing about this is McNeese wants to be Montana State. That's all they talk about. That's why he's sure booked the game. We want to be what they are, game day-wise, tailgating-wise. When I talked to do a story on that at Montana State, they said, hey, we took the blueprint from when we saw McNeese in 2002 and played and lost to them in the playoffs down here. We took their tailgating, how they do game day, how they do the band, and we took it back home, and that's what we've become. So they went from six thousand to nineteen thousand in the last twenty years in attendance. It's kind of a weird flip of the script, but that's what I want to see. I want to see McNeese progress to that level and be prepared. Jim, you're always prepared to come on here and deliver the goods. Thank you for your time, brother. Enjoy the game, and we'll talk to you next Tuesday. Yeah, I'm just watching the old Perry Mason right now, so I'm good. <laughs> It's Jim Gazzolo from the Lake Charles American Press. Thank you, brother. <laughs> All right. Oh, that's amazing. We got to take a timeout. We'll update the poll question of the day, and we'll get to some New Orleans Saints discussion heard from head coach Dennis Allen yesterday. Today is cut-down day, by the way, for the teams to get down to that 53-man roster number. We'll talk more about that next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A little bit of it is trying to, uh, you know, get our bodies back a little bit. You know, there's still some things that we need to work on in terms of just, you know, ourselves. I think as we start to, you know, get closer to the end of the week, we'll, we'll turn our attention a little bit more to the opener. But, uh, but we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, cut back a little bit in terms of the physical activity, ramp up the mental activity a little bit, and, and try to get them back. New Orleans Saints head coach Dennis Allen talking about how they're attacking this week. Once again, no fourth preseason game. and got cut down to three. 
So this week is a good week to kind of rest up and then start turning the page to the season opener against the Falcons. Today, though, is also cut down day by the NFL. This is where teams have to get their rosters down to the 53-man threshold. There's going to be some tough decisions for the Saints because they have a lot of depth. They have some talent across the board. And Dennis Allen, in his first season at the helm of the New Orleans Saints, talked about cut-down day. This is probably the hardest week of the year just because I know what these guys put into getting themselves ready to be a football player uh, and play in the National Football League, whether it's here or somewhere else. You know, it's important to a lot of guys, and it's, it's challenging, and there's a human element to it. But at the end of the day, we got a great game, but we have a, a really tough business, and this is part of the tough business part. Cut down day is here. Some guys are going to be on the bubble. You know, we talked about, you know, uh, Daniel Sorensen, the, the safety special teamer that they brought in from Kansas City. He could maybe be on the bubble. Tight end is interesting. Are they really going to carry all those tight ends? You move Taysom Hill over back into the Joker role, but primarily will be used at tight end. Adam Troutman, they expect big things in year number three. But you got Vanette and you still got Jawan Johnson. And Jawan Johnson has shown flashes, but on the same hand, he's also struggled to learn the playbook. He's also struggled to get on the field and be a consistent performer. And he talked about a little bit about what he's been working on this offseason and all the things that he's been, you know, taking on to get better. I feel pretty good. You know, um, obviously I came into this year looking forward to put on some weight. That was first and foremost. But also, you know, just having a mentality that I was going to do a whole lot. So uh, that's blocking, improving him, uh, route running, catching, competing uh, on special teams and all that other stuff. So, you know, going into it, just more of a mindset knowing that um, I needed to dominate, but not only dominate physically, but mentally. And, uh, and also pointing the guys, you know, outside of uh, the football field. So um, I took I took on a lot, you know, this offseason and doing all those things. So feeling pretty good about it. One of the other things that he's tried to do is become more of a well-rounded tight end. Remember last year, early on, he kind of came out of nowhere, made, uh, developed a good chemistry with Jameis Winston, and became a big red zone target. He was able to haul in some sensational touchdowns because he's got such the big body and he can just, you know, dominate the defensive back. But then he disappeared, struggled with learning the playbook and, and struggled with finding a way to keep himself on the field. It's one thing to be a red zone target. It's another thing to be able to be counted on to be on the field even when you're not in a red zone situation. He struggled with that last year. And one of the things he'd been working on is becoming more of a blocking tight end. It's just a mentality at the end of the day. Um, you can always put on weight and be like, all right, like I'm going to go block. And, you know, you lose your technique. You lose the mentality that you don't want to block. For me, I always had a mindset that I always wanted to block. I always considered myself as, you know, a blocking receiver. So, you know, going in there and trying to block, you know, the linemen and, you know, uh, linebackers and safeties is something that I'm just like, all right, so it's kind of more of a challenge. Like I get a thrill out of it now. It's just like, all right, like let me get, I guess time to get after it with somebody bigger than me. So it's been great, honestly. On the defensive side of the football, you know, there's been some turnover, right? Malcolm Jenkins retired. Marcus Williams left to go sign a big contract with the Baltimore Ravens. They brought in the rookie Alante Taylor. You know, they brought in Tyron Matthew. They brought in Marcus May. So there's been a lot of turnover on the back end. But one of the guys that's been consistently back there has been P.J. Williams. He's versatile. 
They've been able to line him up at both cornerback and safety. Saints love versatile players. And P.J. Williams talked about, for him now, kind of being an older player, he's been the constant, especially there in an ever-changing secondary. That's big, man, because I know, like, I done seen it when it wasn't wasn't as good as we wanted, and I've seen it when it's been uh, good. So, like, I, I pretty much know, like, what – what we need to do to be able to play together and, and uh, be on the same page. So that's I feel like that's a big asset for our defense. MPJ, who's been through this enough now, been in the league as long as he has, you know, he gave his thoughts on just how difficult cut-down day is, not only for the team but for the players. Oh, it's always a, a tough week, man, because, you know, you uh, create bonds with a lot of guys just going through training camp because it's, it's not easy at all and about 30 – 40 people uh, get released off the team, so it's, it's definitely a, a hard time for a lot of people. Cutdown day is today in the NFL. Saints are going to have to be slashing a lot of guys. Most of those guys are going to try to stash onto the practice squad, but it's cutdown day. they got to get it down to 53-man roster. has to be done by the end of business today in the National Football League. we got to take care of some business, take a timeout, when we return here on RP3 and Company, we're going to talk high school football. Season kicks off just in a matter of a few days. And joining us is one of the men in charge of one of the best programs in the Acadiana region, the Turlings Catholic Rebels head coach, Dane Chaponche, will join us next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 grew up dreaming of one day playing right field for the Atlanta Braves. Just like his hero, Dale Murphy. I wanted to grow up and be Dale Murphy. Little Raymond, though, wasn't quite the caliber of athlete of his childhood hero as his lone highlights as a ball player were being beat twice in the head. That actually explains a lot. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Southwest Louisiana's Louisiana's sports Sports station. station. The wait is almost over. A new football season is about to begin, and you can get ready for NFL Week 1 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Football League. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. You want more action for opening night? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. Here it is. Have your team get up by seven, and you win. It's that simple. Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you're going to get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use promo code 1037GAME to get $200 in free bets instantly. Once again, that's $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code 1037GAME. Once again, that's code 1037GAME. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Football League. Once again, you got to be 21 years of age to play. Physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. Bonus issued as a free bet. 
One early win token issued at opt-in. Moneyline bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions do apply. Eligibility and terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-877-770-STOP. Let's check in on the poll question of the day. We asked you which former 337 high school star is going to make the biggest impact this season for the LSU Tigers. We gave you three options here. Is it going to be former St. Thomas Moore Cougar Jack Besh? Going to be lining up exclusively at wide receiver this year. Brian Kelly's going to utilize his skill set in that way. Unlike last year where they lined him up at tight end and then some wide receiver. Is it going to be defensive back and former Lafayette Christian Academy star, the man who was Mr. Football for the state, Sage Ryan? Is he going to be making the biggest impact? Or is it going to be former Como High star Malik Neighbors? Man, he's got some great potential. All three of these young men have potential to put together tremendous seasons for the Tigers under Brian Kelly. Right now, leading the vote, 52% of you say wide receiver Jack Besh. 43% say wide receiver Malik Neighbors. 5% say DB Sage Ryan. I think, I feel like all three are going to make impacts. Jack is probably going to have a slew of catches. I think they're going to utilize him more in that slot role. But Brian Kelly said yesterday that you're going to see probably seven or eight wide receivers play. You know, Kayshawn is the number one, without a doubt. He's the number one target. Then everything after that, is it going to be Jack Besh? Is it going to be Malik Neighbors? Is it going to be Jenkins? We don't know. But they have a ton of talented wide receivers, so they could go in a slew of different directions there. But I think Jack is probably going to end up with more receptions than Malik. But I wouldn't be surprised if Malik had more yardage because Malik has the ability of the big play. He's got that blistering speed, and he can take the top off the defense. But I think both of those guys in the offense are going to make a huge impact. Once again, it all depends on what the Tigers do up front with their offensive line if they're going to give... Jane Daniels or Garrett Nussmeyer, whoever it may be, the advantage to be able to go out there and be able to make all the throws and give them the time to do so. We'll see if that happens. But I think both of those young men are going to have great seasons for the Tigers. As for Sage Ryan, last year came in, looked like he was poised to to get some significant playing time as a freshman, just like Jack Besh and Malik Neighbors did last year. But then Sage got injured during camp and was banged up during the season, got very limited experience, limited playing time in 2021. But he's going to be in the mix. He's going to be on the depth chart. He's going to get a lot of playing time this year in the back end of the defense and probably on special teams. And even though it looks like Jack and Malik may have a clearer path, if you will, to getting more playing time and putting up more stats. Don't be surprised if you see Sage Ryan out there making plays. 
and putting together a breakout season for himself. Because I could see that as well. Blaine Smith on Facebook, he votes Malik Neighbors. He likes Neighbors to have the biggest impact. Look, Malik could put himself in that role that he's going to be the burner, right? He's going to be the guy that's going to have some big play potential. Jack has that potential as well, but Malik has that kind of top-end speed. If he gets behind a defensive back, good night, see you later, it's over. And he's made some progression as well through the spring and through fall camp. And that's what you love to see, especially if you're an LSU fan. These guys that were holdovers from Ed Orgeron, you know, uh, look, Brian Kelly didn't recruit Jack Besh. Brian Kelly didn't recruit Malik Neighbors. Brian Kelly didn't recruit Sage Ryan to come to LSU. That was another staff, another head coach, another staff. But the fact that he is able to get these guys not only to stay but to buy in but also to see these guys progress has been phenomenal. And I expect big things from all these carryovers, if you will. It's time for us to head out to the hotline. Welcome on our final guest of today's show. He's the man in charge of the Turlings Catholic Rebels football program. Dane Chaponche joins us now. Coach, good morning to you, brother. It's game week. How do you feel? Oh, it feels great, Coach. It's, uh, it's good to have a little football back in my life. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, no more scrimmages, no more jamborees. You actually have legit football that you can uh, get after and, uh, you know, are you excited about. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, how do you feel about your team heading into this season after the season that you guys had in 2021? Yeah, we played a lot of young kids last year. We had a really good senior class, but we, um, you know, we, we, we were able to get a lot of young kids, a lot of really good experience last year. We started a sophomore quarterback, Preston Welch. He's a junior this year. Uh, I think we got a lot of kids that are, are going to play with a lot of confidence, and uh, got that, that comes from experience, and that comes from making plays last year, and especially on the offensive side of the ball, but you know, defensively, we've got a, a bunch of new faces that I think are going to surprise a few people. Well, let's talk. you got seven returning starters on offense. You mentioned Preston Welch, your quarterback. Let's start with him. How have you seen his progression during spring and during summer workouts? How much better is he heading into this season than he was last year? Yeah, I think he's bigger, stronger. You know, kids are naturally going to grow as they go through high school. So, you know, a lot of times people attribute things to the weight room that probably should just be attributed to God. So I think he, uh, I think he's grown. And I think, you know, from a quarterback standpoint, he's, he's got a lot better understanding of the game. He's got a lot better understanding of our offense. And really, truly, the most important thing is he's got a lot better understanding of what other people are trying to do on defense. So, uh, you know, it's all about distributing the football and, trying to understand what the defense is giving you on certain looks and, and certain defensive structures that, that we're going to see. Yeah, Kentrell Prejean coming back at wide receiver and uh, Tanner Brinkman at running back as well. So those are a couple of skill guys that you have that have experience and have chemistry with Welch. Uh, do you expect your offense to, to be prolific? Do you expect it to be putting up some big numbers this season, Coach? We sure hope so. You know, like I said earlier, we got a lot of guys coming back that, that have done it already. 
And, uh, you know, the, the main thing, though, is the, the offensive line. We always talk about, you know, we kind of compare it to a vehicle. I mean, the running back is and the receiver is kind of like the rims and the and the tires and stuff like that. But if you ain't got the engine, I mean, the offensive line is the engine. So, you know, you, you ain't going far without it. And uh, so – we got some good sides up front, and I know, uh, you know, Tanner and, and Kentrell, we call him KP, they'll be the first ones to tell you, you know, we're going to go as far as that group takes us. And uh, it's all about uh, pass protection and, and running the football. You got to be able to run the football to protect the throw game, and you got to be able to throw the football to protect the run game. So I think I think our kids understand that, and, uh you know, we, we just got to go into every game and, and, and really take care of the football and give ourselves a chance. You know, uh, to that point, Coach, you know, last year you guys were kind of be able to break through and were able to get big plays, right? You were able to get the big play on offense. But consistently yeah. and consistently being efficient was the thing that was missing. You guys have been working on that. Do you feel like you guys are going to be a far more efficient offense in 2022? Yeah, I think I think so. Just because we got guys that have a better understanding of of the game, you know, and that comes from experience. Uh, some of the critical mistakes that lead to inefficiency, I think we'll be able to eliminate some of those. And, and the main thing is not just inefficiency, but turnovers. You know, you can't have turnovers and expect to win. Everybody knows that, and it's a cliche, but it's such a huge part of a game uh, when it comes to field position and just momentum. I mean, once when you have a game where you're you're uh, minus two or minus three in the turnover situation, then you really put yourself behind the eight ball, you know. And those are things that we just got to avoid. And uh, I think we're going to do a lot better job of it this year. We're talking with Turling's Catholic head football coach Dan Chaponche. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, brother, you got all that experience coming back on offense, quarterback, wide receiver, running back. You got guys up front at the line of scrimmage. But defensively are the question marks, a lot of new faces, and you play in a district that features offenses from Westgate, STM, LCA now in North Vermillion. Defense is going to have to definitely step up for you guys to contend and make a playoff run. What have you guys been working on to make that defense even better for 2022? Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, it's a it's a gauntlet for sure, especially when you're talking about other teams' offenses. I think the, the most important thing you have to do is you have to put speed on the field. If you put a defense out there that's lacking in speed, then it's gonna be it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a big problem in our district and even our non district schedule. But so we got we got some good athletes coming back. Uh Trey Parker's a safety that has a lot of experience. We also got a kid named uh Peyton Jones who played corner a little bit for us last year that he's moving to safety. And then uh, Jalen Ford and Austin David are going to round out the secondary. And we're really excited about our secondary. I think we got some good tacklers back there. I think we got some good speed. I think we got some size. Jalen Ford's a six foot one, six foot two corner. Typically, we don't have that size at corner. So hopefully, that'll help us match up um, with a few more people that we play. And then uh, on the inside, we got a kid named kid named Carter Fontenot, Jacob Dartes playing inside linebacker. Both are great athletes, you know, and th- it's so important to have a sub-varsity program. You know, these kids played a lot of JV football last year, and I think that really helps you when you, when you get ready to play as a senior, you know, to have that experience coming in. And then another returning starter is Christian Harris, plays outside linebacker for us. 
he's another kid that's capable of playing with great pace and great speed. And then probably our, our leading returning defensive player is is the smallest kid on the field a lot of nights, but really a fun football player to watch is uh, Owen DeBoisblon. He plays outside linebacker on the other side uh, away from Christian Harris, and he's just a really good tackler, really instinctive player, and, and really fun to watch. We'll wrap it up with this, Coach. You, you got a district, as I mentioned, features STM, features Westgate. They both won state championships recently. Also features the perennial powerhouse LCA now moving up. And uh, you decide to go out there and you're like, hey, you know what? That district schedule's yeah, it's too easy. I got to beef up the non-district schedule with games against Notre Dame, <laughs> Bro Bridge, and Avoyles. And the Voiles went to the semifinals last year. Uh, I, I know well, why you do it. Mention St. Charles Catholic, who's I, a state champion. I know, I know, I, I know why you do it, and you learn that from your daddy. But tell tell the folks why you decided to, to, to schedule so tough. Well, you know, I mean, if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best, you know. And uh, I don't think you can. I don't think you can go out there and, and, and get into a war every every date on the on the on the playing schedule. You know, you gotta have you gotta have some balance. But we uh we typically tip the scale in favor of you know, we're we're gonna go into a battle every Friday night and uh, you know, this week against Opelousas is a perfect example. I mean, Opelousas is a team that not many people are, are talking about, but I tell you what, if you watch them uh, they they have a really a really different looking Opelousas team than maybe they did four or five years ago. Their kids are playing really hard. Their kids understand what they're doing, and uh, they got really good sized athletes that that really play with a lot of a lot of skill and a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of tenacity. So this week ought to be really fun. You know, we don't really. We don't really talk about any games on our schedule except for the one that we have this week. So I, I don't really want to break that tradition. <laughs> <laughs> well, Coach, I appreciate your time. As always, excited to see you guys in person this season. And uh, best of luck to you and the Rebels. And we'll talk to you soon, brother. I appreciate it, buddy. Have a good one. You too. That's Dane Chaponche, Turlings Catholic head football coach. His father, of course, was the longtime head coach at Turlings. He played at Turlings. And, look, they got some pieces on offense. Question mark is defense. Do they have enough to be able to compete in that district? Because it is loaded. we got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll finalize the poll question of the day and get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. It's all next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. want to take a moment to thank our guest here on this Tuesday edition of RP3 and Company, Brett Chancey from the Locked On Astros podcast, Jay Walker. Longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jim Gazzolo, McNeese beat reporter for the Lake Charles American Press, and Dane Chaponche, Turling's Catholic head football coach. Our poll question of the day, final results. We asked you which former 337 star is going to make the biggest impact for LSU this season. Winning the poll, 52% of you said wide receiver Jack Besh, 43% say Malik Neighbors, and 5% say DB Sage Ryan. Want to thank all of you who voted and left your comments. For the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.